For the last, I think, couple weeks, we've had a really interesting, I'm going to call it a series. I don't know if it's been classed as a series, but we've been doing a Q&R sort of style uh, session, so question and response. And I don't know about you, but I have been loving them. I'm someone who has a lot of questions about everything, and I like to know why and how, and I'm not a big fan of answers like, you know, that's just the way it is, or this is just what we believe. Like, I want to know why. I want you to explain to me how you've come to this conclusion. So this series has been really, really refreshing to me. And something that I've realized in the last couple of years is that to develop strong faith, to develop a a faith that lasts, it actually requires wrestling. It requires thinking. It's not about hiding away the things that make us uncomfortable or afraid or the things that we don't understand. It's actually about having the boldness to ask questions. And so I want to continue this series this morning of question and response, and I want to get straight into it. And the question that I want us to explore together today is this, does God let bad things happen? And I know it's a nice, light-hearted topic for your Sunday morning, starting with the easy stuff, but it's a really important question, and it's not a small question. You know, if our eyes are open, if we're paying attention to the world, it doesn't take long to notice that there is a lot of suffering in the world. You know, we've come a long way in the last however many thousands of years but there is still a lot of suffering in our world. And it doesn't take long, whether you believe in God or you're just considering the idea of God, to ask this question. Because if God exists, and I believe wholeheartedly that he does, and you look at the state of the world, you have to come to a conclusion of, is, is, he, is he letting this happen? I don't know, I've heard that he's all-powerful. I heard that he created everything, and I've heard that he has a plan and purpose. Does that include suffering? You know, I think it's a valid question that a lot of people ask, but the problem with the question is that it says to me that there's been a misunderstanding of who God is, that somehow... um, through maybe time or what we've heard from people or the world, there's been a distorted image of God placed in our head because the subtext of the context of that question, the layer behind it is kind of this question. It's looking at he has the power but does nothing. Like that's the conflict in this question. It's can he and does he choose not to. And I think a lot of people have this deep down fear of that, that God is someone who allows it. And sometimes we fear asking the question, especially in the context of church, I've noticed. I've noticed sometimes we prefer to have a glazed over answer like, that's what faith is for. And that's true. But I still think it's important to ask the question because people without faith cannot start there. People without faith can't start with God by going, it's just faith. They're going to need to have something to rely on, something to help them trust, something to help them see that the nature of God is trustworthy and worthy of faith. And so 
that's what I want us to talk about this morning, because I don't think that the image of God as someone who can and chooses not to is actually honouring of Scripture and who it reveals God to be. So this is what we're going to look at this morning. And I just want to reiterate what Pastor Chris shared last week. This is question and response, not question and answer. I unfortunately do not have all the answers, um, even though I always try and convince my brother that I do. He's not fooled either. But This is about conversation. This is about releasing us to ask questions, to actually use the minds that we've been given and to think about things instead of hiding them away in the dark where they can't actually be brought forward and wrestled with, where they can't actually become a new part of the strength of your faith. And so this is just a response and you're still going to need faith at the end of it because there will always be things that seem like the exception to what we learn about God. There will always be things that we cannot explain and we never ever will. And that is where I would say we need faith. That is where we rely on what we know about God, who we've seen him to be and trust in that character and that the rest that doesn't make sense, that's the faith that we need. And so we're going to explore this this morning. And if something you think of seems like the exception to this, then I want to encourage you. We're here for you. And we want to stand alongside you in that. If there's something that's causing a suffering in your world, we're here for you. We want to pray with you, pray for peace and hope, and just that there would be an unexplainable sense of peace in your world. But I encourage you to still um, listen this morning because I think that It's really going to help us to understand that nature of God even clearer. And so we're going to start in Romans chapter 5. And Paul writes this. He says, Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope and the glory of God. He's In my head, I think, oh, this seems like he's really buttering them up after I read the next sentence, which says, Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Now, I shared this with my life group this week is my journaling, and they were not impressed. (laughs) The second, it was a Monday, so kudos, like credit to them, I guess. When you walk up to life group on a Monday and your life group leader's like, so suffering, we should really glory in it. It's just not the softest entry into the week. Um, But it's funny how when we read a verse like that, Sometimes we have this instant response of, oh, yes, I should be, I should be thankful because God's going to do something with this. I should be really thankful because um, God's going to give me perseverance because that's what we all wish for is perseverance. But there's this almost instant like, oh, I can't believe I was ungrateful for my suffering. And I think that that's actually a, a dangerous thought for us to have. And I think we do it without thinking. I think we get confused and think we're supposed to thank God that we suffer, which when you think about it, can we be honest that that's not ideal? Like, would a normal person get excited that they were suffering? No. 
I, do, I hope not. That's not, a, that's not a real genuine way to live. Like, oh, someone ran up the back of my car. Woo! Like, this is the best. Like, we just can't. And you see it when the suffering becomes greater, when there's an illness, when there's something um, like abuse, when there's something of a greater weight involved, that's when you start to go, this doesn't sound right. God, why would God want me to glory in this? And so I think we've missed something in the way that we approach the difficulty of life. And I think that in reading the scripture without the context of who God is, we miss one of the most beautiful and profound revelations of God's love for us. It says, not only so, but we also glory in the sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. You know, it occurred to me that the alternative to this is that suffering would be meaningless, that it would be pointless and just purely destructive. That's the alternative to this. Like, if we think about it, is it not one of the strangest things about humanity that the hard times can make us stronger? That the people, like, I've met people with the most incredible life who are the most incredible people, and yet when I hear their story, I'm like, how are you this person? How have you built this life? And it's this odd thing about humanity because when you look at the rest of who we are, we get easily distracted by things. We get caught up in things like a lot of the Bible is teaching us how to avoid our nature almost in humanity, the things that um, are a part of us that aren't great. But there's this one weird thing that almost seems to work in reverse of what would be natural, which is that when we're pushed down, when we are... Um, put into hard situations, we have the capacity to rise up. We have a capacity to develop a strength and a perseverance that builds us into people of good and proven character and leads us to having a hope where it doesn't actually make sense considering what we've been going through. You know, I read this incredible book called The Happiest Man on Earth about a, a man who was, in, um, who was in, um, in imprisonment camps in Auschwitz during the Second World War. And he said he's the happiest man in the world. And I look at that and I go, how is that comment coming from a man who's experienced more horror than most of us could imagine and not from someone who grew up on a beautiful island in sunny Queensland, Australia, where things weren't that bad and has lived a moderately good life? How is it... Eddie, who wrote that story, who shared his story, that says he's the happiest man on earth. There is something odd about us that responds in this way. And so, you know, does God let bad things happen? That question, it suggests that God's inactive, that he's not working, that he's not doing anything. But I wonder if I could paint a different picture this morning like, I wonder if in order to allow creation to exist in freedom and in love, which God holds as the highest ethic, which Jesus says we are to live in love, 
For him to do that, he had to allow us freedom. And in our nature and just who we are as imperfect, we introduce suffering to the world. But God doesn't leave us alone in that. He sends his son Jesus to teach us, to show us uh, not just how to live an eternal life, but how to live a great life right now, what we can do to become like him, how he showed us what humanity perfected looks like. And so we have now Jesus showing us the best way that we can live life, the best way that we can have purpose and hope. But not only that, he dies on the cross to pay a debt we never could, to show us in a way that we could not deny that he loves us, that he has forgiven us, and that no matter what the world says, nothing separates us from him. And then when Jesus leaves the earth, he sends his Holy Spirit to guide us, to lead us. He, he gives us gifts, each and every one of us unique, that allow us to not just draw closer to God, but to make the world a better place. And yet before all of this, at the foundation of the world, he created us in such a way that should there ever be suffering in your world, you can actually develop perseverance that will make you stronger, that will make the suffering of the world harder to affect you, that you would actually develop character and become a person who is more um, attuned to what it is to lead a good life and to lead others in that way, that you would develop a hope that no matter what you've been through, God is still good. And he's the reason you are here today in despite of everything you've been through. What if glory in our sufferings is not glorying in the fact that the world is hard, but glorying in the fact that in our creation, He made us, that we would respond well and we could be fruitful in spite of it. That is a different picture. That is a God who loves us. That's not a God who did nothing. That's a God who did everything He could without taking control and removing the two greatest things that we have in this world, which is freedom and love. And I think that is what we need to realise when we see questions like this. It makes me wonder if we've forgotten who God was actually revealed to be. And in John 14, verses 7 to 9, Jesus is speaking because his disciples have this question. We all have this question because Jesus came, he was seen, he was experienced, and yet God still felt like this far away, untouchable, unseeable um, entity. And his disciples are asking him these questions um, after he says, he's, you know, what's going to happen in the lead up to the cross. And Jesus says this, If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And Philip says, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. And it's almost like Jesus is going, it's me. If you've seen me, you've seen God. And Philip, I imagine the voice of many of the disciples' questions is, that can't be it. We know Jesus. We've seen Jesus. He's our friend. He's our brother. And yet there's this idea that God still has to have this, surely this hidden like anger 
Like, yes, Jesus, we believe you, you're the son of God, but surely your dad is more like someone with like some anger issues who likes to like smite people occasionally in scripture. And they're like, we've heard these stories. We know what gods of the day are like. Like there has to be something else. Like they can't comprehend. And I think we still struggle to comprehend that Jesus is the fully revealed God. And he says this, and Jesus replies, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am him and the Father is in me? You know, I think it's something I need to remind myself of a lot, is that when God chose to be revealed, he sent Jesus And who is Jesus? Jesus is someone who is loving. He's someone who was kind and compassionate. He healed the sick. He found people who were outcast and separated and thrown away by society and he brought them in. He welcomed them. He started relationship with them. Jesus, on the cross, the moment I would expect to see the angry God, Like, I've sent you my son. He's trying to show you who I am, and this is what you do. That's where I would expect to see the God that I think we all fear a little bit exists, who judges and who um, secretly just gets annoyed by us and angry at us and the things that we do. But who does Jesus reveal God to be in that moment? Fully forgiving, fully merciful, In fact, pleading with God on our behalf because we didn't understand. But this is the good news. It's not just that Jesus came and he saved us and that we will have eternal life with him and and we believe that in faith, but that Jesus fully revealed God and that's who God was revealed to be. That is good news. If you're ever hearing the good news and you're like, this doesn't sound that great. Why does God want me to suffer? Let's not just let those thoughts sink into the back of our mind and chip away at our faith. Let's be bold. Let's ask the question because God is always revealed to be kinder. He's always revealed to be more loving, more merciful than we expect. If you think you can out-compassion God, you have the wrong image of God in your head. If you're going, I could never do this, like I don't know why it's happened, then what makes you think that the loving, compassionate God can. And so I just have a few observations um, just to make it really clear from what we've read. And the first one is this, God does not create suffering. It's separate from him. I think we really need to be aware of that. And the second is that the glory in our sufferings is not that we have them, but that we were created in such a way that we could persevere, strengthen our character and find hope. This is where we see God's love for us revealed in a whole new way. And that for God to remove all suffering from the world, he would have to be controlling. And God doesn't do control. He does love. And I think this is something that we really need to understand. I think that we don't realize how precious freedom and love are when we get overwhelmed by suffering. Because to not have free will, if you were never able to make another choice, we would be shells. You know, I I almost think it's, it's woven into our soul. It's who we are, that we are free to choose if we want to love God. 
but that means that the world becomes what we've made it. And, you know, we believe in faith that God is redeeming that. He's bringing heaven to earth right now every single day. But we also need to balance that out and remind ourselves that he's not creating suffering for us, but he did make us in such a way that we would do well, that we can be strengthened. And I want to encourage you that if you do know someone who is in a, in a painful season right now, or you are, don't feel like you have to be happy about it. You know, Proverbs says, like a garment taken away on a cold day and like vinegar poured in a wound is singing songs, singing happy songs to a, to a sad heart. And I think it's important that we understand that the glory is being able to acknowledge that, that God is stronger and that He's more capable, but it doesn't take away from the weight of what we experience. So if you know someone who's struggling, don't go over to them and be like, it's okay, think of the perseverance, because that's not what they need to hear. That's not how God approaches us. If you know someone or if you're in that season, let it be a gentle comfort to you. Let it be that you know deep down inside that it's going to be okay. And that when the Bible says God can use all things for His good, it doesn't mean that He's doing this to you, but it does mean that He will transform that hurt. He will bring something incredibly beautiful out of it because that's what God does. What was the cross before Jesus? But a symbol of torture and pain. And now we wear it on our necks. We display it proudly because when we see the cross, we see freedom, we see love, we see forgiveness. And God didn't bring that on the world, the pain, but He for sure will transform it and turn it into something worthy of Him. And so all we need to do, and my only real action point for you today for us is to continually seek God and who He truly is revealed to be in Jesus. We really need to look at the way we think about God, the way we look at the world and make sure that our thoughts actually line up to the God that Jesus revealed. We need to be bold. We need to not be afraid of asking questions. We need to actually trust that the God that is revealed in the end is good like He says He is, that He is loving like He says He is and like He showed us that He is. And it's really important for a few reasons that we do take the time to read our Bible. Like, I mean, it seems a bit obvious, but we need to be in Scripture to know Jesus He's not, necess- he's not walking around today as such. So to see the way He approached people, the way He approached life, we need to be in Scripture. We need to pray. We need to read the Bible and ask God to show us things. Invite the Holy Spirit uh, through a simple prayer just to reveal more to us. We need to actually be intentional about knowing better and better every single day who God is revealed in Jesus. And so... I just wanna encourage you that this is really important for your own faith, but we become what we worship. And if we worship a God who can allow suffering, even for a godly intent, we will justify letting other people suffer, even in God's name. And I think that that's something we need to be careful of. We need to know that God actually um, sets aside His control He sets aside even what was best for Him to make sure that we were loved and we were cared for, that we were forgiven. That's the example. That's the God we want to worship because that's then the God, that's then the person we will become like. 
But also, and I just want to touch on this really quickly, if we don't understand God's character, we're likely to represent Him in a way that turns people away from God. And how, in, uh, how like I, I'm trying to think of the right way to say it, but what a shame it would be for people to never meet God and come into a relationship and experience love and purpose because the image of God that's been portrayed to them is not the image of God revealed in the Bible. What if they're seeing this image of someone who's controlling, someone who doesn't mind if you're in pain, if because God wants it this way or someone who imposes their will. If we don't get our image of God correct, then the way we talk about God, the way our community starts to hear about God, we might never know how many people will never become a part of His community because of that. And so this is really important, not just for our own faith in hard times, but for the people we're called to reach. We are asked to make disciples. And so it should always be at the forefront of our mind. And so I just have a few quick questions and then we're going to pray. Um, And the first one is this, what story are your thoughts and questions telling you about how you see God? Take the time to consider that. Take the time to search deep and ask what, um, what conflicting feelings you've had about who God is and something in your life or the way you've experienced something. Be bold enough to look at what story does that tell about who you see God as? And then do your thoughts and imaginations of God line up with the nature of Jesus? Again, just as I was saying this morning, making sure that who we see God to be is actually reflected in the nature of Jesus. And is there something you've held on to, unsure why God allowed you to experience that you can look at in a fresh way? You know, I think a lot of us hold on to things that we almost can't forgive God for because he, we think He allowed it to happen. And I just want to encourage you that there's nothing I can say to explain the suffering in this world. There's nothing I can do to explain why you had to go through what you went through. But what I can say with absolute confidence is that God loves you and that God has created you in such a way that one day you're going to be so incredibly strong and such a person of amazing character and that He can transform that. And it might not feel that way now, but He can genuinely transform that and bring it to a place of strength for you. And the last question is simply, is there someone in your world that you can be open with and ask questions about life and faith? It's really important that we have people we can trust, people that we can open up to, and we know aren't going to judge us or shoot us down when we have a question. And so, I mean, if you're not in a life group, it's time to join a life group. It's time to be in a community of people that are there for you and happy to hear your questions. because that's going to really empower you on on this journey of life. And you know, it's not an answer, but I think it's the start of a conversation this morning. I think it's the start of seeing God in a different way, but maybe in an original way, who He actually is. 